Hello and welcome to the second of two bonus episodes of the Story X Story podcast done in collaboration with the Comic Online event. I am your co-host Nigel. I'm Tazzy, streamer and co-host. We're bringing you the audio from a series of interviews Nigel recorded with artists and illustrators taking part in the first Comic Online event. It's a convention based in the Netherlands and you'll get to hear each interview in full. As always, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can send your feedback and questions to feedback at mymada.com or on our social media, at mymada on Twitter, at mymadatees on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. And before we get into the interviews, Nigel, do you want to tell us a bit about uh, what to expect from this set of interviews and um, any experiences you had while recording them? Yeah, so by the time I recorded the second three, I'd got the hang of a video recording. So I didn't have as much trouble uh, with that as I did with the first couple uh, of interviews. Um, so that was uh, that was really cool. And yeah, it, I spoke to, again, a variety uh, of people and wanted to get a sense of their uh, their journey and essentially how they how they got to where they are now because a lot of the time sort of people don't always take the traditional route which I found uh, when doing this so uh, I always think that's an interesting thing to delve into but then I also got a chance to speak about uh, specific projects uh, for each person some of the stuff they previously worked on uh, some of the things they've got uh, in the works um, at the moment so yeah it was kind of like a uh, a delve into each artist um, or comic creator uh, to see what makes them tick. So right now I'm speaking to colorist and illustrator Erin Angiolini. Erin, uh, how are you? Thanks for having me. Cool, no problem. Thanks for being here. Uh, before we get into sort of uh, peppering you with questions. Uh, I just want to remind people that are new to our podcast that you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, and you can also send us your feedback at feedback at myamada.com or just shout at us on social media at myamada on Twitter and at myamadatees on Instagram. Uh, and now let's get to know our guest. Uh, so, Erin, you began your career as a colorist, and I see here that you have worked on you've worked on some big titles. So, you've worked on titles for Titan Comics, for Image Comics, and you've also collaborated on a uh, creator-owned comic, uh, Temerity, which was successfully yes. um, funded through Kickstarter uh, in 2019. Did I get all that right? Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Those are definitely like the big big titles that i've worked on so far yeah. uh i'm still i'm still working on some of them uh definitely temerity we, we're still working on the second chapter of that and then i also work on doctor who and i worked on warhammer 40k so yeah, yeah. Quite a few cool titles that i hope your audience will know Cool. Uh, if they don't already they will by the end of this uh, so we're going <laughs> to yes. get into some of that um all right, so uh, you're a colorist and an illustrator. So just 
can you describe your art style um, as a um, uh, as an artist and any influences that you've picked up along the way? Well, so I definitely say that I've mixed a lot of influences in what I do, uh, being from Italy and then from Europe uh, and growing up in a family that is uh, very, very creative and loves lots of arts and different art forms. And I, I grew up with lots of art books, lots of beautiful European comics, a little bit of uh, American comics when I started growing up and Japanese manga as well. So I, I would like to say that I took from many different things yeah. and I also really like movies and TV series like looking at movie photography and the use of color in all different media so I practice photography as well so I'd like to say that I am a bit of a bit of like traditional classic art and then a bit of European comics and then the great funky crazy manga yeah. and anime work and then lots of superhero stuff and then just I take inspiration from a lot of just things that I like and watch and listen to every day. Cool. And my style, when I when I illustrate, is kind of like semi-realistic, so it's not like full-on realism, but I'm I bring a little bit of that realism into kind of a more uh, creative and fantasy vision of reality. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I like the sound of that, and yeah, I've seen uh, some of the work on your website. It looks really cool. And Thank you. So you you touched on sort of manga influences. Obviously, I'm uh, I uh, make manga, uh, so we're gonna have to just stop there and talk a bit more about that. Um, do you <laughs> yes. have any any particular favorite uh, manga or anime series or films? Uh, so I would definitely say that probably um, among the like the biggest influences for me as especially when I had my big manga and anime period, it was uh, definitely Takeshi Obata is one of my favorite among all. Mm. Uh, I like, of course, the classic Ghibli feel, those beautiful backgrounds and like just the detail. And yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah there's, there's lots of maybe less known comics and manga, depending on how you want to specifically call them. That uh, I loved, like Mushishi was one of my favorite things that I've ever read, and it was beautiful, and it was just very poetic and just a bit off, out of the mainstream uh, shonen uh, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. But I, I, I just, I really enjoyed a lot of different things, from like very classic Berserk to uh, Tengen Topengren Lagen. So like, there's lots yeah. of lots of crazy little things that just makes in 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 a way that maybe you wouldn't expect, but I liked m many different styles. Cool. Yeah, I uh, actually only watched Gurren Lagann like the beginning of this year. Um, yeah, just amazing. Like, just like jumped yes. to the top of my uh, list. Uh, we're not going to talk about that, otherwise we'll take up all the time <laughs> no. uh, talking about that. But um, So, uh, and you, you mentioned you, you grew up in a creative family. So, like... Because so I work with um, a lot of young people, and I know the importance of like family support, um, particularly for creative uh, endeavors. Um, and I know sometimes sort of young people don't always get that, and um, other people don't realize the value of it. So for you, what was the impact that that had on your career growing up in a creative family? I think it. Uh, I mean, I I owe my parents a lot, especially both from just a, an inspiration 
point of view. So like I've always had lots of books and things that I could look at and just they weren't like too like, oh, don't touch my comics, don't touch this, don't touch that. It was just like, I, it was very at my disposal and it was amazing. Like I grew up reading incredible things. And at the same point when I, I mean, I growing up, I've always liked foreign languages and I actually, that's my academic career. I have a degree in Japanese language and culture. So I did, wow. that was my, that was my thing. I studied languages because I wanted to. My parents were always very supportive also for that. But I also always uh, continued drawing and doing little commissions. When I started, like in high school, I started doing commissions on DeviantArt and then like different forums online and social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the way in which my career started was kind of like, just a, a good opportunity that I grabbed, but I wasn't pointing towards doing this for a living. But right. when the opportunity showed up, my parents were very supportive and they still are. And they like, I think it really makes a lot of difference. And I'm really glad when I hear young uh, creative folks who have parents who support them. I would say if you don't have parents who appreciate and support that, it can be very difficult. And I would mm-hmm. suggest maybe trying to find maybe friends or like people who share your passions and try and get that support from a different uh, yeah. uh direction because it really is very very important and i am i'm really sorry that i noticed some people don't have that kind of uh uh strength and push behind them mm. yeah no that's good that you uh you did have that um uh, so jumping forward um a number of years i, I wanted to talk about the uh your creator owned um project uh temerity mm-hmm. and yes. sort of what that process was like because you so you launched that through kickstarter um i have i've done a few kickstarters uh to mix results uh, i'll be honest <laughs> it's not always gone uh gone well um what was that process like for you to to launch an original comic and what stage is it at now the uh and actually, the comics sorry, before, we... sorry to cut you I should yeah. also ask uh, what is it about let's start there what is what's is the okay about? okay and, let's yeah. start there so temerity is a sci-fi action story with comedy and lots of adventure and it's, it's the story of two main characters naya and peru uh who are very very different from two very different uh uh people in the galaxy and they have very different missions and they uh, kind of clash into each other and there begins kind of their adventure. We're still, uh, I want to, I won't say much because we're still kind of, uh, in the preliminary phases of the story. We still haven't jumped into the full, uh, plot right now. Okay. But, uh, basically what we're doing is we've, we are producing, uh, the comic through kind of like the 22 page standard American size comic. Uh, and we have done, we published it on online on Webtoons. So if you're curious about the story and the artwork and everything, it's completely free to read on Webtoons. You just look for Temerity. Uh, or you can find us on social media and Instagram and Twitter. It's very easy to find. And basically we, we published the first chapter. So the first 22 pages on Webtoons and then we did the Kickstarter and. Oh, so the Webtoons um, came first. Yes, we, ah, okay. we, we released, I think, half of it, and then we did the Kickstarter, and then we uh, uh, continued right. uh, publishing it online. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the Kickstarter is to have the printed uh, edition of the comic, because we don't really have 
uh, a distribution we don't like you can't find it in comic shops so it was to sure. have the printed version of the comic and it was it was very good i mean i was very 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 happy to see that it was uh very popular we funded quite quickly i will say Gemma, uh Gemma young the writer had to endure most of the difficult parts of setting up the uh kickstarter and she was great and uh so yeah it was a lot of you have to be very careful with how you share and where you share and just keep the hype up because yeah. it's it is a difficult thing to it's do it's a long process uh, it's an intense yeah, process it's, it's very intense so even if you get funded you're always a, like someone might cancel their pledge and then oh, yeah, you do what happened yeah so yeah like during and then when it comes time to collect the money at the end then you can yeah. also have failed but yeah it's a, it's a minefield yeah it's it's very stressful so i would suggest anyone who wants to do that do your research if you're unsure maybe there's lots of like uh, agents and companies who can help you do that mm. and so yeah, i would say if you're very uh unsure i would say ask a professional because it is it is a difficult thing to do or like if you have friends that have done it ask for suggestions and try to be very zen about it because it is mm. it is very stressful so don't look at the numbers constantly because it's going to drive you crazy yeah i think it, it's one of those kind of it's a bit of a cliche but the whole it's a marathon not a sprint um kind of applies here where you, you need to take if it's a 30-day campaign you need to take the whole 30 days and look at how you're going to approach each day and try and try and keep calm yeah, uh, i say this i'm a hypocrite because i, <laughs> I fail at, at that each time but that's uh yeah <laughs> that's that's yeah, the advice i i absolutely agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so then you've done uh so you kind of like even as you you've launched this comic um you've used a number of platforms uh obviously on social media and in terms of like artists uh sort of starting today aspiring artists who want to put out a comic what advice would you give for the best way or maybe combination of ways to get your work out like in 2020 because there are just so many different ways to reach people but it's it's still not an easy thing to do to build an audience um what yes. would you suggest true so oh, it's, there's, as you were saying, it's just absolutely correct. There's lots and lots of ways to share your work. And if you're, if you're willing, like if you want to share a comic, if you're doing your own web comic, yours, yourself or with a group of people, I would suggest, uh, trying and maybe go on like webs, webtoons or, uh, tapas, which are like platforms that are specifically made for web comics mm. uh you can you can of course create your own site which is cool because you you know you get to choose exactly what goes on it and what doesn't yeah. well when you're hosting it somewhere else of course you know there's ads and there is like the menu you can't really change the site itself uh but of course creating your own site takes a lot of time it could take a lot yeah. of money depending on what platform you're using yeah while hosting it so, on and yes it exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah even for my portfolio i, I mean I, I bought my own domain and everything mm. and th that already is a lot of time and money but so continuously updating and making sure that it doesn't break that everything works it's, it's a tough job so i would mm. suggest probably going for something like webtoons or tapas which already like provide you with the structure um, I would suggest probably 
trying to do a little bit of research on the platform that you choose and what kind of uh, maybe a subject, what kind of uh, comic go better there, what kind of uh, layout, because some sites use the, like, the classic page format, some use yeah. the crawling layout. So try and check like what would fit your idea, your story better, what kind of... Uh, you know, like if you if you think you have like a romance story and you know that it goes better on one platform than the other, then just go right. from the one that makes it easier yeah, for you yeah. because it will take some time. And be very patient. It takes time. Be constant. So I would suggest. Uh, so I'm working on other web comics at, at the moment. Uh, work for higher jobs, and uh, we are building. Like we've we're working on a lot of chapters right now before launching to make sure that when we do launch we don't have to go crazy every week oh, like, oh my god the new yeah. page the new update because that is a lot of work so even yeah. if you think yeah you know it's, it's i can do a page in a week or like two pages depending on or like a update a week but life is complicated so yeah. you could do it for the first month maybe if you're really good and crazy and you can you know but something is going to get in your way so plan ahead be patient I don't focus on the numbers too much at the beginning because it will take time and it's not going to just happen uh, in one night. So yeah. just keep putting your stuff out, focus on getting good material and share it. Make sure that people know where to find you, know like what days you're going to publish and just, just you have to be uh, quite organized. So do that. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I definitely hear that. And I, I think in in all these things, uh, in the beginning in particular, it's about building like your community. Because even with something like Kickstarter, I know um, unless you've you're sort of so well established and everything, it you can't just launch your Kickstarter and expect everyone to find you. It's about you know who can you get to the page. Um, and then even like you're saying with something like uh, Webtoons, it's it's free, but that tends to mean that then anyone can do it. So now you're in amongst everyone. So how do you find Sorry. your audience uh, within that? So yeah, I, I definitely uh, second that and just say, mm. um, try and, you know, narrow in on, on the audience for your work and just like yes. serve and... And, and, and as you were saying, create a community. So like yeah. before you launch, try and like show material, say like, you know, this is the characters. They will be in my comic that I will launch next month or mm. in two months and like start building interest and talk to people reply to comments it's a lot of work but yeah. uh it will pay off yeah all right then so uh i mentioned uh top that you've you've done some work for uh titan comics and image and uh, i saw that you worked on the a doctor who comic and it was yes. an, uh, an all-women creative team uh, for a Doctor Who title, and that was uh, Titan Comics. Is that Titan? Cool. That's exactly. So, like, what did it mean for you, like, to work um, on an all-female creative team for a comic? Uh, it was it was very nice because it's a so we, we're still doing it, so I'm still working on it. Uh, mm. we're always with Titan, so it's the thirteenth Doctor Who comic. Um, uh, we are now in season two. It's been slightly delayed, of course, due to everything that's happening, yeah. but we're on it. Uh, but yeah, I was very glad I had already worked with Titan on Warhammer 40k, which was my big first series with them. And when I finished that, my editor offered me, uh, to join the Doctor Who team. And I was very excited because I thought it was, uh, unfortunately, comics is still very, uh, 
unbalanced when it comes to uh, uh, <laughs> possibilities for creators. So there's yeah. lots and lots of uh, white men doing men, many, mostly <laughs> everything. So uh, I'm a huge supporter of you know having lots of different voices in comics. And I was very pleased that Thailand was actually taking a step into that direction. I will say that uh, they already have a very varied range of creators from different countries. Uh, there's lots of there's lots of women. So it, I was very pleased that they were just stepping a bit more into just trying to find and bring more balance and bring different voices into it. And especially uh, with the third thing, Doctor being uh, a woman, yeah. I think they just wanted to work on that. But I know that they chose a big group of like of people who are uh they had already worked with and they know that they could trust and they were doing good work so i'm very much for hiring women or uh black creators or minorities but i really want that to be like we are hiring you because you're a very good artist yeah. and we value what you do and i was very pleased to see that that's what titan was doing like they were they were putting together a group that was um not just there for you know like we have an art creative like female team hooray <laughs> but they were actually supporting and believing in the product that we were creating together so that was that was really good and it was really cool to be uh, and it still is very cool to be a part of that nice yeah no i i agree it's like you yeah you want to see more diversity but then you don't just yes. want to diversity for the right diversity say you want to give talented yes. creators the opportunities wherever they are coming from so yeah that's good that they're doing and um i know uh image as well have a lot of uh well they are sort of a sort of creator focused um publisher mm -hmm. and because of that you get a lot of diversity in the types of people and the types yes. of stories that are made so yeah definitely good mm -hmm. to see uh more of that um actually uh, a question i probably should have uh asked at, at the beginning but uh could you actually clarify uh what a colorist does like so what is your role in in the process so basically what colorist does is you bringing the black and white page that you've like you know you, you see you generally see either the finished like the beautiful marvel book with all the colors and the effects and everything yeah. and then you see like the super cool black and white pages that people maybe share on social media or yeah. on their portfolios. And basically what I do is bring one to the other. So like I take okay. the black and white page and I, uh, I color it. Uh, I use uh, digital media. So I work in Photoshop uh, in the French market, European market. There's still a few people that color traditionally, but that's very, very different. Mm -hmm. uh approach because as time is a very different we work on month at least like on doctor who i work on monthly issues so i need to color 22 pages of doctor who in about usually it's about 20 days oh, uh okay. <laughs> yes and i generally work on two, two or three comics at the same time so it's generally i produce between 40 and 60 pages a month <laughs> And some colorists do many more. Yeah. Uh, so the process is basically I get the black and white page and then I have uh, my assistant, my flatters, who basically put the, so like 
the blue sky is always blue and the green on the trees and then the blue on the jacket of the character and the blonde and the hair. So they basically fin- fill in with the basic color that I give them the oh, page. Okay. And then I do all the rendering. So I add the shadows, I add the light, I add the special effects, I work on the atmospheres, on 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 everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's what Colorist does. Not everyone has an assistant or everything, but uh, especially if you work in a monthly delivery kind of schedule, uh, that helps a lot because it cuts down one or two hours of work. Mm. Uh, and so you you so I pay someone else to do that, and then I. I can actually spend uh, the time to color because it generally, so some of my pages take about an hour and a half, others take three hours and a half to color. Wow. Okay. So if you add one or two hours to that, it's for each page is quite a long time. Yeah, it's up. Yeah, it's up quickly. <laughs> wow. Um, and so then when you're uh, adding the colors, is that, are you getting instruction from the illustrator or is it like left to you to? like color it how uh, you see fit or for something like doctor who for example or uh or like power rangers or like something that is like you know that the power rangers have those yeah. colors yeah. and like the doctor is always dressed in the same way yeah uh yeah, something like the third. so for so uh yeah usually i get given by the publisher um, a palette so like a range of colors so like for right. example the coat always has to be this color and then the hair always has to be more or less this color so um that's like my base that i that i have like the easy part of it and then uh you fill the rest with the script so for example if i have the script and it's like a night scene i know that like all the colors are probably going to be a bit bluish or poply or a bit uh, like toned down if it's a sun br- bright day sunny bright day i'm gonna make like the colors very vibrant and very yeah. saturated and very uh like shiny beautiful colors uh so that's the the part of it is given by like the char- the kind of character you're working on mm. and and the kind of like for me working on franchises of course you have to be more specific to the clothes the Definitely. kind of outfit that they were always wearing uh but like for example in temerity uh i know what the characters are wearing but if there is just a new random character i could give the random character the colors that i i prefer unless it's specified this is a green skinned alien so then i'm gonna make the, <laughs> the skin yeah. green but generally it's a balance between knowing like the the information of the character you're working with and the atmosphere and the like the subjects and the script, what the script tells you, and then the rest is just like I, I bring that all together with my vision, mm. and so I decide like where the shadows are, or how the light bounces on something, how like uh, what kind of effects I want to use, what kind of colors, and so it's a mix of information that I'm given and information that I fill in myself. Cool. Okay. And as as you're also an illustrator. Um, and you can be honest with this. Have you ever had the urge to potentially redraw uh, a page that you've been given? Because you might, you might do it in a different I, style. You don't have to name it. I've names, had, but you know, no, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, I've had some issues in which uh, maybe I don't agree with some of the stylistic choices, or right. like the rendering or the hatching. Uh, I never really had the urge to change anything because I okay. like I, my job is to color. I don't really draw comic sure. pages but uh 
unfortunately, more than once, I personally, but colorist happens quite a lot to colorists. Like we are asked to like, oh, the the penciler made this mistake. Can you correct it? Just like oh, that's okay. exactly for my job. job. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, it's one of the things that happens quite a bit. Like I don't know, um, the character should have a bracelet and they forgot to add it. So like, could you just put just it yourself? Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. but uh, yes that that unfortunately happens a bit okay. <laughs> to me and several colleagues but no, I mean generally I don't I don't mess or like change anything unless yeah. uh, I see like a very big mistake and say that it's like, like a huge continuity problem then I'm probably going to say something and hope that the artist will yeah, change, change it, it. Not, not me <laughs> <laughs> um, alright so then uh, obviously, we're in this uh, situation where uh, we are still kind of at home, can't do events, um, and that's what's led us to the Comic Online uh, that you are taking part in. Uh, so, what do you have planned um, for Comic Online? Um, and yeah, pretty much, what what have you got planned for the for the weekend of the event? So I've been very, very happy to be invited to take part because I've joined the wonderful staff two years ago at the Amsterdam Comic-Con. So I'm sad that I can't be there physically with them, but it was, it's nice to get back together with the, the whole group. And uh, they, uh, I will have a page on the Comic-Con official site. So you can find me there. As, uh, uh, I think it's Enrique Angelini or Erin Angelini. I don't remember which one of my names they used. <laughs> uh, but uh, you can find me there and uh, you will be able to uh, check some of my special items that I'll have produced, uh, especially for the convention. Yeah. So I will have some sketched uh, uh, blank comic issues. I will have some uh, limited edition prints. You can order some uh, digital sketch commissions by me. And you can also find on my page, uh, on the Comic-Con site, uh, the link to my official site where I will be offering more material with a special discount uh, for the duration of the convention. Cool. All right, and then outside. And I will probably oh. do a live stream. Sorry, I'll probably do a live stream, but I still don't know exactly uh, when. Well, I'll probably do like a coloring demonstration or something like that. So if you're interesting, yes. what we were saying earlier about the process, you can probably come check it out. Cool. All right, yeah, we can look out for that. I'm sure like it will come out at, at some point. They'll they'll slot you <laughs> in, and people can check that out. Um, and. Outside of Comic Online, uh, Comic Online, um, where can people find you? Social media, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, you can find me. My main two platforms, platforms are Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Erin Angelini, and on Le- I am Lady Erin on Instagram. And then you can also check out my website, which is and there you can see my illustrations, my colorist portfolio, my list of publications. And also, I uh, it's not open at the moment, but I have a shop that I open uh, temporarily. And I always say on my social media when I'm going to open. So it's not just going to be okay. sudden and then it's gone. Okay, yeah, <laughs> so if yeah. you check out my social media, you can find out uh, more about that. But yeah, those are my... I, am, I also stream on Twitch, always uh, as Lady Adam. You can find me there on Mondays and Fridays. 5 p.m. London time, usually. Cool. That's, uh, I like that. And yeah. the timings and everything. That's a yes. proper professional. <laughs> Not just for webcomics, even yeah. if you're streaming. I'm trying to be consistent. <laughs> cool. 
Uh, all right. No, thank you for uh, for joining me and, and thanks for giving us an insight into uh, your work and some of the projects that you've got going on. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was a real pleasure. And if anyone has any questions or doubt, feel free to uh, contact me on social media and we can chat about things that you are interested in. So right now I am speaking with comic creator Christian Carnouche. Christian, how are you? I know, Isaac. Thanks for having me, mate. I appreciate it. No problem. Right. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Before we get into throwing questions at you, uh, just to remind uh, people that are new to our podcast that you can always subscribe and listen to episodes on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, Stitcher, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, You can send us feedback at feedback at myomatter.com. Uh, or just uh, shout questions at us on social media, as people like to do. Uh, we are at MyMatter on Twitter, at MyMatterTees on Instagram. Uh, so, yeah, let's get to know our guest. Uh, so, Christian, you're a... Let me get this right. You're an Australian comic writer living in Holland, uh, and I just found out you have connections to London um, pretty close to me as well. Uh, is that right? I got all that's those. Good. Yep, that's yeah. correct. Okay, that's cool. correct. <laughs> uh, well, we're going well. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've also started your own comic studio. Uh, kind of. I self-publish and I publish under under my company, Carnage yeah. Productions, but I really only have the company to self-publish. Okay. So, um, yeah, that sounds yeah. like a familiar setup to what I do, but we'll we'll talk um, <laughs> more about that um, uh, in a moment. So... Uh, I guess I just want to get a, just touch on sort of the current situation in terms of, you know, we're all inside um, living this like uh, self-isolated uh, life. And uh, for you as a comic creator, how has your situation changed? If it has changed um, in light of the current pandemic and how are you adapting um, as a as a creator? Yeah, it's some things have changed, some things haven't. For example, as a writer, you kind of, you know, you're kind of stuck at home or in a cafe sort of writing anyway. So mm. I guess that aspect of um, comic books haven't really changed, except I did do a lot of writing in cafes sort of yeah. on the weekend and after work. So not been able to do that. Um, it's been a little bit depressing. Um, but, you know, I can my sort of productivity is still pretty good, if mm. not better, because I'm not really socialising with friends. I'm not going out. I'm not traveling. So I am actually doing more writing than before. Um, but one sort of pretty big negative um, is not having conventions. I mean, I had a pretty big convention lineup planned this year. And I mean, I just published uh, The Resurrected last year. And I was planning to really push it at uh, conventions this year. So con's been canceled mm-hmm. sort of for the most part is put a bit of a dent in those plans, but hopefully near the end of the year we can um sort of get that back on track. Yeah. But yeah, it hasn't um, hasn't changed a lot probably. Okay. Other than bonds. Yeah. I mean uh, I was in a similar position where we got our latest manga uh, book done like in print in January. Uh and fully ready to sort of take it to conventions. Oh, no. Uh and then that just uh didn't happen. So yeah, I definitely feel your pain there. Yeah, the timing is 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 not great. No, no. but um, I, ex- I I guess one thing I kind of left out too is that I I am 
I'm producing another comic now and sort of through the first couple of months of the pandemic, I, I, I just didn't feel right uh, promoting it and really talking about it where everyone sort of, everyone's stressed out and, mm. and then even more so sort of in the last few weeks of what's happening in the US and yeah. I don't really feel right about promoting my projects. So yeah, that, that, that is another aspect, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> It's actually it's interesting you you touch on that because um, I was just having this uh, similar conversation just yesterday with uh, a group of comic uh, creators, sort of along the same lines of, you know, how how do you continue to put out and promote your work when the world is in this this state? And I think we kind of got to a place of, you know, you can, I guess you can you can acknowledge like what's going on, but sometimes like as as creators creating this um you know these these uh fantasy worlds and stories it's some kind of release for people um like mm. especially in these times so I, I think there's a way to do it um there's like a balance where you can acknowledge um what's going on but still give people like another outlet just something positive that's not yeah absolutely um, so crazy but um yeah i could buy comics and i promote i sort of uh you know, support Kickstarters and stuff. So I guess I'm still reading yeah. it myself. So yeah. Why can't people read mine? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Um, so you started uh, Carnage Productions in 2016. Um, yeah. So what were you doing before that? Were you still making comics or was this just like a, a slight transition from your workflow? No, I, I just started writing comics in 2016. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I. Um, it's pretty new for me, I guess, four years, but just before that, um, when it comes to writing, well, I guess actually about three, for three years before that, so about seven years all up, I've been writing a novel, right. uh, which I'm, we've just had beta readers sort of look at and I'm about to send off a, um, to a, a developmental editor. Okay. Uh, and then hopefully pitch to sort of um, agents after that. So, yeah, I've sort of been writing before that, but comics has just been four years. Hmm. Um, and, yeah. Cool. What's, what's the difference in the, in the process of writing a comic versus a novel? Or, like, what are the main differences? <laughs> That's a hard question because I... <laughs> in a lot of ways, there's not a lot of difference. In a lot of ways, there is difference. So, it's... I mean, it's... God... I guess it's the same process in a sense when you when you're structuring your stories with with, with plot and characterization and character arcs and um, you know, even dialogue and things. But I guess comics are more they're more visual, so there's a lot that you can tell through the visuals that you don't need to actually add in. Yeah, like my philosophy, which you know I just obviously picked up from good writers, is uh, write as little dialogue as, as possible in the comics. So if it can be told through the visuals and then don't bother having the character say it. Um, yeah. We, which is something you obviously can't do in novels. You have to, you know, explain sort of most things. Um, but there's a lot of sort of prose and narration. So yeah, that's probably one of the, that's probably the big difference I say mm. is the types of medium they are. But, um, it's kind of, it's kind of funny that though. So I wrote my novel for about three years up until I started writing comics, but I learned a massive amount uh, in in writing comics that I actually went back and applied to my novel. Sort of a lot, 
a lot about structuring and sort of having more punch in my story rather than sort of ambling along and yeah. um, making it sharper and quicker. And so, yeah, I sort of have been able to apply that sort of um, punchier type of story yeah. to novel. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I hear you on the dialogue thing because I've, I've kind of found that uh, like when you're writing, like for me at least, dialogue is actually sort of the last kind of thing you get to. Um, because like you say, it's your, your writing isn't just dialogue. It's all the other stuff before that. And then you have the dialogue where you need it. So I think if you, for me at least, when you push it further on, uh, in some ways it kind of writes itself and you find you don't need to put in as much dialogue because you've explained a lot through character actions and, and all sorts. So, yeah. Um, mm, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I was checking out your website, and uh, I saw you. Des- so you've described uh, these are your words, uh, not mine. Uh, Cardiff Productions as a media production company. Um, so what does that mean? And I I asked that because I feel like we're probably in a similar, some kind of similar position in terms of using the the overall brand to self publish your work. So what does that mean to you, being a, a media production company? That was almost kind of like covering all bases when I started it. Um, so my wife's sort of a film buff and she's talked for a long time about sort of making a short movie or doing some kind of film production. Uh, I'm really pushing her to do it because she's so creative and talented and intelligent. But um, so I sort of, when I set the company up, I thought I'll sort of name it that way so that just in case we do a movie or something, a short movie, then, you know, that can sort of... Um, cover that base as well but for the time being it's uh only been comics but yeah I, I, I do sort of dream of um we've talked a lot about it about doing a short movie maybe one of the short stories i'm writing or something she's written uh so yeah okay but yeah no i uh i think it's good to cover the bases i because like uh when we set up um so my brand my matter uh, I mean, we, I guess we call ourselves a manga brand, but we've always had like animation uh, in our minds to do uh, at some point or uh, spread out into other types of products, toys or games and stuff. So uh, I like the idea mm. of covering <laughs> covering your bases just in case. So it's, so it's not a surprise when you do come out with your film. It's like, oh, why are they doing that? It's like, you know, we told you we're a media production company. <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> well, my, um, my editor told me recently, uh, Erica Schultz, who I really look up to when it comes to sort of writing and comics and stuff, she said, don't just get stuck on comic book writing, you know, try to sort of write in different mediums, you know, write mm. film scripts if you can, write a novel and just sort of expand your writing. I mean, it's it's not easy to, I mean, I'm, I'm not making a living off comics and I don't sort of really plan to, but if, if you wanted to, just, it's almost impossible unless you're in the top, yeah. you know, top sort of echelon. So, uh, yeah, just sort of expand, yes. I want to expand my writing, I guess. And, you know, I've, I've written a film treatment of um, of The Resurrected. I haven't pitched it to anybody. It's sort of sitting in the top drawer. Cool. But, yeah, so right, well, similar to you, I guess. Yeah. Keep it wide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about, like, even uh, children's books um, at some point. So, yeah, just, like, uh, wherever the ideas come from. Um uh, so actually, speaking of uh, the resurrected, uh, do you want to tell us, you know, what that's about? And uh, as I understand, you you did it through Kickstarter. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, so tell us what um, the story is and, and what that process was like. The, the quick summary is that it's a it's a Blade Runner-esque type sort of dark sci-fi thriller about an Indigenous Australian detective who's trying to save his people from extinction. It's uh, sort of set 20 years from now um, uh, in a place called Nova Lucis, which is basically the United Nations uh, city-state. So they've moved the UN and everyone sort of all together now um, in this city-state off New York. and People can be resurrected. They've sort of this. Uh, they've eradicated pollution and uh, diseases, and it sort of seems like a utopia. But I mean, like most utopias, you sort of scratch the surface, and it's a utopia. But um, uh, so it is kind of like a thriller and an action thriller, and there's a lot about sort of resurrection and our pursuit of immortality. But this, the main sort of theme, which I really sort of hit with a sledgehammer is about colonization specifically in australia and um sort of how we have treated the indigenous population and how we continue to treat them and uh so that was the main theme but then we also talk about philosophical themes like personal identity and um the acceptance of our, of our mortality and so yeah it's there's a few layers to it but uh yeah so when did you have when did you launch that through Kickstarter? Oh, sorry, yeah. So we launched the first issue in uh, the start of January. Uh, sorry, no, the start of two thousand eighteen, around March. Right. So we'd already had the first issue sort of done, all the all the art was finished. Um, that was uh, Chrisam and Salvatore. They sort of finished all the art, and I basically kickstarted it just uh, just for the printing. Yeah, and so we we printed the first issue, and then 2019, around the start of that, we uh, kickstarted the entire series, which is a five issue series. It was all finished, so again we kickstarted the the printing. Yeah, and these days, like especially for an indie guy, sort of like me, um, I didn't actually kickstart it for the funding. It was more about the sales. Like it really is the best the best way to sort of bring attention to a project and for people to sort of support it. I mean, um, yeah, I just, I, I guess it was, it was the best place to sell it rather than that I needed the money to print it. I mean, I could have funded it and printed it, but then where would I have sold it? It's so difficult to sell uh, printed comics online. And then, you know, I'm in Holland, so there aren't that many conventions here. So, you know, I basically lose money going to conventions because I go overseas, usually the UK. So, yeah, it's the best place to... um sell i'd say bring you guys yeah no I'd, uh, I'd agree with that i mean uh yeah we've done we've done a few campaigns uh admittedly to some mixed results um but our last one was successful and uh definitely looking at how to sort of better use kickstart to launch pretty much every future title oh sorry what was that what did you kickstart what was the last uh... oh, um so uh our our brand is like um uh, an all ages manga brand and we have uh, all our characters are animals so our, our last comic is uh, Hot Lunch and it's a uh, a high story um, kind of like a <clears throat> like a Robin Hood meets Ocean's Eleven um, oh, nice. yeah so it, it's that kind of uh, story so that's what we kickstarted last year uh, got uh, finished in print uh, this year uh, and then yeah just looking at 
how I can use uh, Kickstarter for future stories and, mm. and titles. Uh, so what was the reception to the story itself? Because uh, I got that you're uh, a lover of like philosophy and criminology, and that, does that find its way into your work? Because you, it sounds like you've got a lot of themes and a lot of like layers to your work, and yeah, it's many probably. <laughs> So how, how do people respond to that and how do you find ways to fit it in? It's, it is difficult. I, I do feel in a way that I may have had too many themes in there. I mean, I don't regret it, but I do find it is kind of, in one sense, it's quite niche. I mean, some people are turned off by what they call, you know, social justice warriors, you know, or they're like, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be told how to think and... I don't want, you know, obviously I don't agree with that. But yeah. So I'm pretty sure I've turned um, some people off, but, uh, you know, I'm not really bothered by those people that I turned off by mm. those issues being discussed. Um, but I, and I was, I have been criticised online I for my anti-white propaganda. Oh. <laughs> um, and, uh, but in general, it was really well received. Yeah, I had a lot of people sort of, I mean, I had a lot of reviews, like maybe 50 reviews from websites and it's really lucky in that way. And a lot, a lot of people said um, that they were surprised. They didn't know much about what was happening in Australia and, you know, they also thought it was a paradise and they didn't mm. realise that you know, we had such issues and even people, so I work at the United Nations okay. uh, in Holland and a lot of sort of people that I work with, you know, really supported me and they also said they, they weren't aware, you know, you hear a lot about America and, um, maybe even Europe, you know, to a lesser extent, but not so much about Australia. So from that aspect, it was quite well received. Uh, the story, I mean, I'm a huge Blade Runner fan and, and if anyone tells me that this story is similar to Blade Runner, I'm like, yep, in. So, um, I often, you know, when I'm at conventions, I often pitch it as, you know, this yeah. is sort of Blade Runner esque. A lot of people are like, yeah, okay, I love Blade Runner. I mean, I know some people get sick of it, that sort of hearing about the same, the same kind of story, but, um, but that's just what it is. So, uh, so it was well received and, um, it was funded. Yeah. I was surprised how well it got, how well it was funded. We were really lucky. Uh, sort of both our campaigns made like 5,000 5, euros each. And for, it was my first comic. So I was, Cool. Pretty happy with that. I mean, I'm still losing money. I mean, like most of yeah. most of us sort of in people are. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's like when people see Kickstarters and they see like big numbers, they for some whatever reason assume that goes straight into your pocket, and like they don't realize like you you do actually have to spend on like whether it's artwork or in your case printing. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, there are costs. Yeah, yeah, it went straight into printing and yeah. um, customs taxes. Yeah, basically yeah, you take. And and I paid sort of I paid the artist all of the artists and and the editor and the letterers and so I mean if you can do your own art that that's great or if you have a collaboration where you're sharing profits that's even a better way you know I mean if you can do it if people are happy to do that but I sort of just paid everyone their yeah their rates and um and I own the IP but you know like but yeah I I, I don't regret any of it so no that's good um, and yeah I mean I like what you said about making people aware of issues um and i feel like with comics and really with stories in general like that's what they should be about uh, for the most part because you're you're allowing someone to see the perspective from a character that's not like them 
uh, and you can yeah. use that to make people aware of things. And I know people throw around that sort of social justice warrior thing, but you know, if, if done right, it's just about making people aware of, of another perspective uh, in life, and Absolutely. that can be done well. Obviously, there are bad ways to do it, but um, yeah, it sounds like you've got something cool. Thanks, thanks. I mean, that's. I mean, I I do think you have to have a good story, and I I yeah. have read comics where I'm like, it's only about maybe uh, sort of the background of the character. It's not it, the story. Like I have read some comics, where I'm like, this this story is terrible, and you know, yeah. But so so I did put a lot of effort into the story, but you know, I did want to um, share a different perspective. And I guess on that note, I am also like a white guy writing, and I wrote an Aboriginal protagonist so that was sort of something else that i had to think about but i had um actually wrote an article on it i had sort of loads of indigenous friends sort of that i grew up with and other indigenous writers sort of review my characters and even look at the art and gave me a lot of feedback so yeah i'm really i, th I think if i didn't do that I, I i wouldn't have done it in good faith i mean it i mean i was i did do a lot of sort of research and i grew up in an area with a lot of sort of indigenous around and having indigenous friends so i was kind of lucky in that aspect but mm. if i was just sort of some white dude with not much sort of knowledge about it without any sensitivity reviews and i think it could have turned out a lot worse than it did yeah so i wouldn't recommend everyone to go out and just write whatever kind of <laughs> culture they want to write i mean you know you got to do it right and hopefully you know i i did yeah so. no it sounds like yeah you went about it the the right way so i mean what what advice could you give to because i like you know when a time when we could all go to conventions uh, i'd meet a like some aspiring uh comic creators um i also work with young people um you know who are interested in artwork and stuff and uh you yeah, as nice. someone who has created um sort of your own brand in a sense um your own self-publishing uh company how what advice would you give to people who are looking to do something similar to you particularly as someone who who writes and doesn't do the artwork necessarily uh things of um i guess one thing as a writer i is uh, to hire an editor like i'm sort of shocked at how many people write and they don't use editors and i mean you can get your friends you can you know my wife sort of reviews all my stuff but at the end of the day, like you, you just need someone that's going to just be completely 100% honest, someone that has experience, someone that even has industry connections. For example, my editor, Erica Schultz, has sort of introduced, she introduced me to the artist, uh, the artist that I used actually. And, you know, back then I didn't know anyone really. So if it wasn't for her, you know, it would have been a real struggle. But she also helped me uh, sort of advise me about how the industry works and, you know, they were just sort of additional things on top of the actual writing that you helped me with, like with the, the flow, characterization, and uh, she picked up sort of plot uh, plot holes. And, yeah, I mean, you can get cheap editors. Uh, I wouldn't say Erica's cheap, but, but she's just industry standards. And I guess for, for her experience, like she's written sort of the Daredevil annual and she's written for – she sort of edited for image stories and, you know, for what she's done, she's quite cheap. And so that's probably my first bit of advice would just get an editor. And my second thing would be, I know a lot of people, especially when they start writing, they're, they're quite, it can be quite sort of scary. You think, you know, who am I to write something? And, you know, I'm just some sort of boring 
do that, you know, and there's all these amazing writers out there that are so creative. And But one thing that I've sort of I told some people at a seminar last year is that no one has your voice. No one has your perception of the world and of reality. Even if you think, oh, well, I've just worked at a supermarket my whole life, what would, how's that interesting? But, you know, other people haven't done that. You know, you, you would have a very unique perspective no matter what you've done. Um, even if you're an 18 year old, I mean, and you think you haven't worked and you've just been at school and you still have a very unique perspective and no one can tell a story the way that, that, that you can tell it. And even if it's a story or, or a theme that's already been done, no one's done it your way. So I just sort of just encourage people to just have a go. And if you have, if you have a story in your head, just get it out. And, the, you know, your first go might not be perfect. Yeah. It might not be published. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, even your second, third, I mean, you know, I'm still writing. But, um, but yeah, uh, just, just get it out there, have a go, and then, and then things will sort of roll on after that. Um, and then I'm sort of just trying to make these brief and because yeah. I do uh, I do talk a lot. And on the third thing would be just to get out and meet people. Yeah. Um, just go to conventions, meet people on Twitter. I mean, if I'm now working on an anthology that I'm I'm writing the whole anthology, I'm sort of funding it, I'm producing it, and every single person pretty much that I've hired, most people are people that I've met sort of on Twitter or on Facebook and, or, or at conventions. So... Just get to know people and, and, um, firstly, I mean, it's great for collaborating, but it's also just nice to know, just from a social point of view tonight to, to meet other people that have your passion. So, I mean, my friends before I was sort of on Twitter and Facebook, they aren't really into comics. Sort of my friends I grew up with, they aren't not at all, you know, so, you know, I had to get on, um, I had to go online to sort of meet people with my passion. So yeah, they're probably the three main things that I would yeah. advise. Yeah, and I think, uh, like, to your second point in, in particular, like, the idea that, I, I guess, like, some people think, you know, their voice doesn't matter or it's not completely original. And one of the things that I'm always having to be reminded is that there's really no completely original ideas. Like, I think it was only last week I was speaking to um, speaking to our artist about, you know, a future idea, a future story that, that I'm working on. And I told her, like, this particular character uh, and then she goes, oh, that's like this other character <laughs> in this other thing that I haven't seen. <laughs> but you just reminded, her, oh, okay, so someone's probably done it. But like you say, it's your particular voice and your particular perspective that creates the the uniqueness. So, yeah, I exactly. definitely agree with that. And everything's been done to an extent. You yeah. Know, you just... so, okay. So, I mean, you know, we... we uh, we're we're doing this for the uh for Comic Con uh Comic Con line and uh we're here because, you know, obviously pandemic, can't go anywhere. Um but you mentioned that you travel to different uh conventions abroad and you've been to uh Thought Bubble, so we have that in common. We have both been to uh Thought Bubble uh last year. How how often do you travel for conventions and how was Thought Bubble in particular? I traveled before I was writing comics. I traveled just, just like I'm a huge comic book fan. I like, I collect comics. I, I get sketches. I get creators to sign my comics. Even now, you know, I even get creators that I work with to sign my comics. So I'm a huge sort of comic book fan. And I, so I've been to cons like New York Comic Con 2016. Cool. I went to cons in the UK. So yeah, I, I sort of travel a bit, a few a year, I'd say. Um, and then since publishing last year, I started going oh, not a huge amount, like maybe four or five a year, 
Um, I was a guest at Amsterdam Comic Con last year. It was the first time I was ever a guest, and it's actually thirty uh, f- that ran um, the artist Ali there, and he's he's the one that invited me to be part of this Comic Con, this right. sort of online Comic Con. Thirty's great guy. Um, you know, we've gotten drunk together, and <laughs> yeah, he's a really cool dude. Um, loves comics, loves it, loves yeah. it, Ab- absolutely loves. It. Um, so yeah, that's how I got into this. Uh, but Thought Bubble, uh, always wanted to go Thought Bubble, but I was waiting until I had a comic to, um, to sell. So when I had the trade paperback of The Resurrected, I, uh, booked a place there last year in, in November. And actually the lady who runs, uh, Thought Bubble, Tula Wate, she did the cover for The Resurrected. Oh. So that was pretty sort of awesome to go and meet. And she's, she's hands down my favorite artist. Yeah. So to work with her and then to go and meet her and sort of hang out with her at Thought Bubble and she's so bloody nice and down to earth. I mean, everyone at Thought Bubble, you would know yourself. Yeah. Like, it's such a well-run place and it just, yeah. they're all so nice. I don't know where they, <laughs> where where they, they get them from. from. But <laughs> it is, um, certainly not in Holland and I don't know where they find them, you know, but um, <laughs> a well-run place and everyone was so happy to be there. It was like some weird bizarro world where everyone's happy and you go to drinks and everyone's chatting and you know you're chatting to some of the big biggest names in comics and they don't care that you know you're sort of not known and we're all hanging out together getting drunk sort of dancing and um yeah it was great i was sort of sitting right in front of uh sean phillips mm. uh my stand so um he's one of my favorite artists um so that was sort of great and yeah, I sold a lot of comics, got to meet a lot of people, met a lot of my Twitter friends, which was probably yeah. the yeah. biggest thing probably for you too. Yeah, I guess just, yeah, it's it's it, it's the best con I've ever been to. Yeah, no, it's um, it's like the, the nicest convention. And yeah, like you said, I don't know how they do it because um, we've got, like I'm based in London and we've got like the, the London Comic Con and it's a much bigger convention, but it doesn't have the same like charm, same personality in it. And it, you can tell the difference between, I guess, a convention that is focused on the, the people. Um, and yeah, Thought Bubble have, have managed to do that and keep it going. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I, I guess because it's, um, because it's very creator focused as well. It's not, they don't have sort of film yeah. guests, which yeah. is fine. I understand, you know, people want to go and, See their favorite Star Wars actors. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's a place for everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, they're very focused on 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 the people, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. All right. And then uh, for this convention, uh, Comic Online, uh, have you have you got anything in particular? Uh, where how can people reach you at, at Comic Online to to see your work? I guess I I think Thirty set up a, a page for me. Yeah. So I guess you would just go to. I'm not actually sure what the page is. It's sort of. Uh, <laughs> I remember the name. Um, I always use the link to 30 sent me, but yeah, I've got a page, but you can, uh, I mean, I won't be sort of streaming any videos as a writer. I, I guess I, um, there was not a lot I could do. I, I did do a seminar for 30 last year, mm-hmm. sort of hands on, but I don't have, I, I don't know how to sort of edit videos yeah, yeah, or anything. Yeah. So you can, um, you can buy my stuff there and, and you can always, and you can contact me through, um, through my site, I mean, uh, sorry, through the page there. And even it's not just about buying stuff, but if anyone has sort of questions, anyone's like wants to get into writing, 
I'm so happy to help with advice and point you towards, you know, communities or so, yeah, I'm always sort of here and I'm a pretty energetic guy. So I'm always sort of happy to help. Cool. Always got the headspace. Yeah. All right. Uh, I might take you up on that, uh, actually. For myself, but, <laughs> oh, you can um, probably help me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right, and, and outside of um, uh, the convention, uh, where else can people find you, like on social media? Uh, I'm my website, which I don't update too frequently, but um, it's called carnishproductions.com. But I u- mainly use Twitter. Uh, which is Carnage C, I think, is my name. Or just type well, Christian Carnage. Sure. <laughs> no, yeah, because I just changed it actually. I, I just changed the the um the handle. So uh, yeah, so it, it's Carnage C. So C A R N O U C H E. Cool. And then I'm on Facebook. Same kind of thing. Instagram. Um, I'm everywhere basically. Yeah. I, I I hate and love social networks, but um. Me too. I'm all over. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we all do, yeah. but you can't live without it, right? Yeah. But um, so yeah, I'm easy to find. Cool. All right. Um. Well, yeah, and like I said, if uh, uh people can reach out to you and uh, see your work and um see uh in person a bit more about what you do. So yeah. Um. Thank you for joining us. It's been yeah really cool to uh, hear about your perspective as a writer and and how that's how your like other writing experiences have, have influenced your comic work. So yeah, thanks for joining me. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been fun. And right now I'm joined by comic writer, artist and editor Fabrice Sapolsky. Fabrice, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? That's good to hear. Good to hear. Um, so for anyone that's new to our uh, podcast, you can listen to Story X Story uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify uh, and wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also reach out to us. Um, our email address is feedback at myamada.com uh, or just contact us on social media at myamada on Twitter at my Tees on Instagram. Uh, and you can also give a shout out to Comic Online. Uh, who are at Comic Online on Twitter. Uh, all right, we're going to go straight into our interview. Uh, so, Fabrice, you are the uh, creator of Spider-Man Noir, um, as well as uh, a bunch of other projects, including your own creator-owned comic, uh, Intertwined. Um, you're also the yes. founder of Fair Square Comics, which was created in 2000, to, yeah, 2019. Let me get my dates right, 2019. Yeah. Um, with the ambition to be the first comic book think tank, which I thought was an interesting uh, expression. So I'm going to dig a- into that a bit more. Um, but as I was looking at your, I was looking at your website, and I was quite intrigued by your journey. So I'm always interested to know, you know, how people got to where they are. But I think for you in particular, like your literal journey, <laughs> um, because you came from France, uh, where you started your career, uh, and you now live in LA. And yes. you ended up pitching uh, a new Spider-Man comic for Marvel. So my first question is, yes. like, how did that happen? Tell us everything. Okay, so first let me correct one uh, thing from okay. your nice presentation. Is yes, I'm the originator of the Spider-Man noir concept, but it's co-created with David Hine, cool, the um, the British writer David Hine. 
okay. who has been my partner on this and uh, my mentor and an and overall extremely talented and nice guy. Mm. And I couldn't have done this without him because I was, you have to keep in mind that, I mean, Spider-Man Noir was created 13 years ago. That's a long time. But at the time, um, I was nobody. I was a journalist, and I was working. Um, I had a magazine back in France called Comic Box, and and I was the editor in chief of that magazine. So nothing was preparing me for becoming a the next comic book writer or creator, yeah. and and it it kind of triggered my journey because what what when I. When I started talking to Dave and we realized that we had something really solid that we needed to to talk to Marvel about, um, it became clear that it, there wouldn't be any it, that I couldn't go back. So it, it was it was really like a life changing decision to jump and 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 decide to co write and co create uh, Spider Man while with Dave. Um, and this is this is what happens. And now, flash forward 13 years later, you're right. I'm in Los Angeles. I work in comics. I created my own company last year. Um, I was an editor. I, I, I probably did almost everything you can do in the comic book business. Writer, artist, journalist, um, inker, uh, editor, letterer, designer. I did all that. Mm. But, but uh, the only thing that I can't really do is colors because I'm really not good enough, but I'm working on it. <laughs> so maybe one day I'll, I'll master colors really well. Yeah, take that um, off as well. Exactly, uh, but it's also not just because I like to uh, I like to, uh, to to learn as much as I can about our industry, but I also think that you can you are a better uh, you're a better band leader, you're a better uh, innovator, you're a better uh, trendsetter, you're a better like overall you're you're. You're better at what you do if you know how to do everything. That doesn't mean that you will do everything the best, best way or the perfect way, but at least nobody can tell you how it's done. Mm. Nobody can, like, you don't take anything for granted. You just learn and, and you experience and you understand. And yeah. I certainly know that being a writer and especially all my, all my time as an editor, I was a better editor because when a writer would come up with something, I I would find the right words to tell them uh, why it was not the right thing or why it was the right thing. Same for an artist, because I know the challenges. And sometimes I would like look at a panel and I was like, I understand that you struggled with that panel. And, and, the, and the artist would say, like, how do you know? I know because I would struggle too, the way it was written in the script. So this is this is like, I I, I love comic books. This is like, Comic books are the love of my life, <laughs> um, and 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 I want I want to keep being in that business, but also being in that business in a different way. And um, I was kind of at the crossroads back in February, uh, up to oh, that point. I was uh, of this year, yes. Yeah. And COVID kind of changed everything. I was I was senior editor at a at a company called Humanoids, which originally was a French publisher, but set in LA for the past 20 years, and I joined them in 2017. And then I was laid off in 2020, and I was like, okay, what's my next move? And, I mean, I started looking at, at, at the jobs, and there was no jobs. 
There was no jobs at other companies. There was no opportunities. And I'm like, okay, maybe the next opportunity is yourself because that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. And um, that's why I, I kind of like uh, went pedal to the metal on, on Fair Square Comics and started developing like dozens of projects. Not all of them will, will have, will go on the same pace. Not all of them will be like equal. And, 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 and some will be published this year, next year, in two years. I have a graphic novel coming up next month. Um, and, but it's, it's, it's important that at one point you, you are in control mm. of your own narrative, of your own destiny. And, and uh, that's why a comic book think tank, because I have like 20, seven years of experience in that business, both on both sides of the Atlantic. And, and and I know many markets. I know the French market. I know the American market. I know the UK market. I know the Italian market. I know a lot of markets. Um, and I also know that comic books are global. It's not just a local thing. Yeah. And you can, there's, there are patterns. There are things that, that 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 make this business relevant and interesting everywhere. But I, as I always say, as long as you read a page, and it's a sequential reading with panels and balloons, it's comics to me. Whatever the style, whatever it's uh, a lot of people, and especially in Europe, have a tendency to to put back to back American comics, European comics, Japanese comics. Korean comics. To me, it's just comics. Mm. I don't see, I don't see color. I don't see nationality. I see comics. Yeah. And comics are this universal language that we should all speak because it makes us more open-minded and better. Yeah, I think that, that really is like the power of, of comics and uh, and stories. Being able to empathize with characters and people that aren't you and see from Correct. another's perspective and i think that is kind of like a universal yes. thing like like you say no matter where the comics are coming from that's a universal yes. power that that comics do have so i i totally get that um and i think like you working in almost all areas uh of comics i guess from like a, a like a teamwork thing it gives you an appreciation of of other people's um other people's job, other people's roles that uh, I think yes. helps because I've been, I mean, I I can't draw, so <laughs> uh, I, I can't fulfill that aspect. But in other areas of like uh, my career, like I used to be um, a software engineer before I was making comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, for example, like when it came time to making our website uh, and I'd have someone else do it, I know that the things I'm asking for, I know what what I'm asking for basically so I'm I'm not asking necessarily too much and if you tell me a certain thing I I understand what you're saying so we can have that conversation I think that's the set, same thing that you've got uh, the ability to do and and the it, the other thing that I want to say is uh is that um I am um to me different kinds of comics and different it, it's like different cultures mm. it's our our differences are 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 fantastic yeah, our differences are amazing because they allow us to to see how broad the human mind is, how incredible the creativity from every part of the world is, mm. and also uh, looking at at different genres and sometimes same genres from different uh, different parts of the world. I have now a lot of um, creators from Africa contacting me and say, "Hey." 
I see that you're recruiting creators. Are you interested? And I'm like, okay, well, some are not ready. Mm-hmm. Some are very ready. And and the, the, the thing is like, okay, and since it's my own company, how can I open the doors differently? How yeah. can I, how can I make it? And, and I, I saw, I saw like, again, over the course of my uh, career, I saw incredible creators. Sometimes they were not at the right place at the right time. Um, and I enjoy as much being front and center as an artist and writer and creator as I like to be the man behind the man. Hmm. And, um, and, 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 and I think that both are extremely rewarding. I, I often use music cooperation and like if you, and I like, I like funk and, and R&B music. So okay. if you have a youth art act like Prince or, or, yep. or like, um, or like Rick James or like all these big producers and artists, they can be the artist, but at the same time, they can be the producer and have other people front and center. Yes. And I, I mean, with, with, I mean, again, with a lot of humility, I like to play in that, in that ballpark. I like to play in that sandbox and say, Hey, I can be front and center. And I created Fair Square Comics initially first to publish my own comics because I realized that no one is going to sell them as, as good as I will. Um, and, and comics are, are such an incredible science. And making money from it is extremely hard. You probably will agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of work and not a lot of reward. But, but at the same time, we have the bug. We were, we were bitten by a radioactive comic when we were kids and now we have the curse. Yeah. So it, it's, it's very important to, to not just do it for ourselves, but do it for others. And, and Fair Square Comics is, is for that. I might end with just one thing. I'm, I started promoting um, two hashtags uh, through my website and my social media presence. The first one is Comics Are Life. And I even launched a YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago called Comics Are Life because, because I think that when you have information, it's time for the truth to be heard. There are a lot of fantasies about comic there are a lot of fantasies about what creators do creators make there are like a lot of fantasies that creators have themselves and i think and i've been talking about it for a long time it's time for the truth to come to it and the second thing is that i like to talk about and that's very important is um is the hashtag creators before brands and it's it's a personal for me to to really promote independent creators and creators, period. Um, and, and again, brands are great. We all like Batman. We all like Dragon Ball. We all like Spider-Man. Without Spider-Man, I wouldn't even be on the map. So I'm very grateful to Marvel Comics because I had the chance to develop Spider-Man Noir and, and it kick-started my career. But at the same time, without creators, there wouldn't be all that. And people being like just in there for the brands, forgetting the creators, it's something that is not right. Creators before brands. Brands mm-hmm. great, creators greater. And we have to keep in mind that sometimes when you're spending a day on a page, two days on a page, writing is hard, drawing is hard, everything in this business is hard. And it's not just a brand selling the comic. Mm-hmm. It's the blood, sweat, and tears of a team of creators. And I want that message to be heard by the general public 
and the public usually responds really well. I toured in the last three years over 60 shows in the United States. And, and, and I get often the same question, which is like, oh, I like your art, but like, it's a little expensive. Um, can you cut the price? And I said, no. And okay. I say no, because like, I'm, I'm, I'm asking them like, how long do you think it took me to draw that piece? I don't know, 30 minutes, an hour. No, it can go up to 15 to 20 hours. Yeah. And if you break it down by hour, what I'm asking is less than minimum wage. Mm. Is, th is this normal that something artistic be paid less than minimum wage? No. Is it normal that sometimes some, something artistic is, uh, is pirated? No. When you go to the restaurant, you pay. When you go to the supermarket, you pay. And if you don't like it, well, you don't buy it again. Mm. But it's a different thing. You it's can't a weird just perception go for comics. Exactly. There's yeah. a weird perception, but that's also because, again, brand culture made it possible. Brand and I'm I'm using a shortcut here because we don't. We're, I could like talk about that for about three days <laughs> nonstop. But like, but yeah, I mean, people have the perception that because there's a brand attached to your thing, it's a big corporation behind. Mm. And, and again, I've said it like no later than last week in one of my videos, when you go to the stands and you look at comic, a comic, a per, an independent comic book can look as good as a, as a comic book from a big studio. Yeah. But Hey, fair square comics on the left, Disney, Marvel or AT&T Warner brothers on the right. they may look as good, but I'm, a million times smaller mm. and I don't have the means and every day is a struggle because I'm an independent creator. That doesn't mean that I'm complaining. I'm not. That means that we have to acknowledge that not everything is the same, the same way. Like we have this thing in America and I know that in Europe, in Europe and even probably in the UK, it's not the same thing. Um, in America, you have a minimum wage depend different depending on the city you live in hmm. because the cost of living is different in LA than it is in LA. yeah I mean we've got that um, we've got like a there's a national yeah. minimum wage and then there's a London <laughs> uh, minimal wage exactly oh, yeah. because London is so expensive <clears throat> yeah right uh, but yes but like look in France it doesn't exist the, the minimum wage is national and period and people living in Paris which is like a, a more expensive city to live in uh, it's the same minimum wage as everywhere else which okay. isn't fair Wow. So, again, we have to elevate the debate, but we need people to understand where we're coming from as creators. Yeah, no, I understand. And I, I definitely hear you because I, as an independent um, comic uh, manga creator, um, and I've been to conventions many times where it, it tends to be the bigger conventions like the London Comic Con where, you know, you're either in a space for indie creators or you're next to someone who's yeah. selling merchandise from an established brand. And the, the perception is like, and it, it's, I've had so sort of many discussions about this and um, I don't want to go too far down that path because we, um, I think we yeah. can both talk for ages on this, but it's always weird to me. Yes, that, exactly. It's always weird to me that people will like go to Marvel, like pick up the toy or the t-shirt or whatever but they walk past the independent creators not realizing that at some point like even a marvel someone had to sit down uh and draw yeah. these comics uh, but there's not the same appreciation for the people that are doing that now and so it's just a weird oh, look nigel i have funny stories about that like, i have people <laughs> coming to my table and look i have spider-man noir is on my banner okay i have a huge 
a piece of art that I drew of Spider-Man or that it's my banner. Yeah. So, so of it's it's a showstopper. People stop at my table like, you really co-created Spider-Man Noir? I said, like, yes, you read well. It's written behind my back. Yes, I did. I co-created Spider-Man Noir, and I co-written his adventure for the first 12 years. And um, and they say, oh, um, do you have more? I said, well, no, I have the existing material, and I have my other books. Are you interested? And they're like, no, 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 I'm only reading Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these two are my favorites. My favorites, because... These are the ones that I need to convince mm. because at one point I will need to have the product that will be just as appealing to them as yeah. the brand. But then, I've, so I think a lot of it is just the thing that people don't necessarily want to take risks and looking at sort of Marvel. So it's not the quality, like I've, I've realized it. it's not necessarily the quality of the independent work. It's that. I know yeah. Marvel, like I know Marvel, I know DC, I know it's Jungle. the market. So it's the only market. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. Market. Yeah, yeah it is. It's someone it's, has told me that this is good, and I'm not. No one's going to laugh at me for getting Spider Man. But if I get this weird comic or this comic, I think might look weird or whatever, and no one knows it, and I show it to someone, and then I go, and they don't go like, "Yeah, good exactly. job." What am I left with? And yeah, so it is marketing actually. Yeah. Exactly, and you don't have you have with a with a independent cinema because in movies you can see the difference in budget mm. you can see it on screen like if, uh, okay i don't have the budget well instead of having a thousand uh a, a thousand people in the background uh, i only have three or i'm using cgi and i'm duplicating all the people uh because i don't have the money yeah uh, but in comics you can't tell the budget by looking at the book no no. It's very hard if the books are really well done and well designed and, and you have production values. That's also why I'm pushing all independent creators mm. to step up their game in terms of production values yeah. and, and perception. Because the perception is everything. Yeah. And once we get them, once we get them, then they will come back. Because, yeah. I mean, that's something that I used to do at conventions. Conventions are great for that because you, you have the people and the audience never lies. When you go to a store, it's it, it's not as like you don't have the kind of proximity you have with the with the convention. With convention, people come and when they stop, something on your table, something in your backdrop, mm. something stopped them. Yeah, maybe it's your face and you're looking good. Maybe it's your T-shirt. I always wear my T-shirt from my comics. Me uh, too. <laughs> or maybe something. Maybe it's, it's something else. But like. It's important that they understand that what you're offering is more than just the product. You're not selling a product. You're selling you. You're selling your story. Yeah. You're selling your your experience. You're selling that. And, yeah. and usually I make a bet. I make a bet with people. I did that with Intertwined. Like people were like, why, why should, I, should I buy Intertwined? And uh, it's like, okay, you like Spider-Man Noir? Yes, I love Spider-Man Noir. All right. So you will like Kung Fu Noir. Okay, but what if I don't like it? I said, look, you buy it, if you don't like it, I reimburse you tomorrow. You come back tomorrow, you read it tonight, tomorrow you come back, and you reimburse, I reimburse you. I never had to reimburse anyone. Mm. Never. No, I can imagine. But like money-back guarantee, money-back guarantee for comics, that's something that is, when you believe in your thing, when you believe in your project, money-back guarantee is not a big deal. No. Because I believe in my comics. I know that what I produce as an independent creator is just as good as what I produce for the studios. So yeah, you just put that to the test. And I, I guess like for a lot of people that, like you say, raising the bar of uh, independent comics, it, it it will help break that exactly. perception that 
somehow independent comics are less than so and it's you know you can you can have bad stories made independently or made by marvel and dc so that that's not exclusive to independent comics same way that quality stories aren't in, aren't exclusive to independent comics so I, I think it's a good thing that you're you're doing to aim to sort of yeah break those barriers and then get people kind of to take more exactly risks. um so yeah. i mean you mentioned uh intertwined and so that is your creator owned mm-hmm. comic that you launched on kickstarter right yes yeah, i mean i started tell I, us about that was technically my second creator on comic. Okay. My first one being One Hit. Oh, One Hit, yeah, yeah. That I, I did One Hit Wonder first at Image Comics in 2014, 2015. Yep. And then I did uh, Intertwine in 2016, 2017. Yeah. Uh, and now, now that I got all my rights back, uh, One Hit Wonder is, is going to be republished next month with an expanded and retooled edition that will be from Fair Square Comics and all sell directly from my website. Cool. Um, so, so uh, yeah, and I'm very proud of it because I revisited, the, uh, it was like revisiting an old friend. So I was like, okay, well, all the things that I couldn't say, all the things that I couldn't do, all the flaws that I saw, I could correct them in the new edition. And, and I also produced uh, five original pages that uh, two incredibly talented artists drew from me, Dennis Galero and Joe Suter, uh, that are on the back of the, the, of the album. And, and it's this very thick 160-page uh, graphic novel for $25. I think people will be very happy. Yeah. It, it, like, it, it weights 490 grams. That's very thick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Like, for people with the Imperial system, it's over a pound. It's like, mm. it's really, really big. So, uh, yes. Okay. I'm very happy about that. So, yes, intertwined, you were saying. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, what was you that process to- like? So, I mean, well, for both your creator on comics, but I guess the idea of launching something on Kickstarter uh, and going that route uh, as an independent, like, what was that process like for you? Uh, and nightmare. also, just tell us about the story about <laughs> intertwined as well. So, uh, uh, Running a Kickstarter is like uh, running a, a sprint. Yes. It's like yeah. you have to run, but you have to keep running. It's like between a sprint and a marathon. I was going to say it's like a, uh, it's a marathon sprint. If I don't know. It's I don't a know marathon sense, sprint. But... Run fast, but you have to run for a month. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. Uh, it's exhausting. Your level of stress is like going through the roof. Um, and it's, and it's, it's really terrible, but at the same time, uh, Kickstarter is a wonderful ally for independence. Mm. It's a wonderful ally because it helps us being noticed. It, mm. it, it puts us in places where we could never, like, look, I've, I've added new followers on, 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 on Kickstarter and I, and my last Kickstarter was in February. So my last Kickstarter was in February, but since February, since the Kickstarter ended, I've had more and more followers who are waiting for my next project. Next one, yeah. and, 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 and it's great because these people, they might not turn into buyers right away, but at one point, maybe I can convince them because I will have the right project for them. Yeah, it gets them and on the journey. And then once they're on the journey, like it, you say, when the right exactly, project comes for exactly. them, then, yeah. And again, um, every... This is an ant's job. Like th- you have, you have to convince every person when you don't have the power 
of the big corporation. You have every every person counts. Every person that will spend twenty, thirty dollars, twenty five dollars on your pro- on your project counts. These people are are gold. That's also one of the reasons why I'm using a, a, a service that allows me to share my phone number with. You. Okay. I give I give my phone number away, so That's people great. can text me. No, it's 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 the new normal. Mm. It's the new normal, and for people who want to text me, it's plus one three two three four zero five nine four zero one, and they know that they can text me any question about the comics, any question about art, any question about what they can like. And now, so it's it's kind of new in the comic book community, but in again in music, this is something that has been going years, and and I've seen that with hip hop artists. They are in touch directly with their audience. Mm. There's no, there's no middleman. Yeah, this is this is how you do business now. Yeah, you're you're not you're not again selling a product is not enough. You're selling you. You're selling a human. Yeah, and you are and, really like selling that, yourself as because you know we talked about brands like you're on this level you're selling yourself as a brand so you're selling you know it's not just a comic it's you as a person it's it's what you believe it's it's your voice and people and, and, and if you look at that. it if exactly and if you look at it more generally you take a step back who hasn't been a fan of this actor or this director and they go and see all their movies yeah yeah or or this artist and they buy all their records yeah why couldn't it be the thing with comics, comics yeah. yeah for some for some it is like yes, I like Frank Miller. I will buy anything Frank Miller. Yeah, but why can't we have like more Frank Millers? Why can't we have more John Burns? When when can we have more Jack Kirby's? Mm. You understand? Yeah. Like it's not just like a small amount of people. It can be you and me, yeah. and it can be you and me with the the products that we put out. No, that's a really good point. Um, and I guess kind of like related to that point, the idea of for me like kickstarter one of the things it does is is allow for more diversity um in comics that are made and the stories that are told and you know we're sort of in this moment of time where uh diversity is is forefront of a lot of people's minds um with the sort yeah. of recent events and and protests it's, um, it's 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 funny that you say that because um two and a half years ago mm-hmm. i was hired by humanoids and um the first thing that i that I like offered them was to create a line that was more diverse. But I said, I don't want to use the word diversity because I don't like that word. Mm-hmm. I want to use the word reality mm-hmm. because when you step out of your home, the reality hits you in the face. It's like you see people from all walks of life. Yeah. And, and this is your reality. You live in a very diverse world. This is the world. And I don't, and we live in a world that is smaller with social networks. You can talk with someone from Nigeria and then you can talk with someone coming from somewhere else and, and, uh, in, in, in the same hour. Hmm. Like I can talk to you, you're in, in the UK and then five minutes later, I will talk to somebody in Asia. That's, that's how it is. That's the reality. So diversity is, is a good word, but reality is a better word. And, okay. and, and the first person that I, that I decided to approach when we started this was a guy named Kwanzaa Zajefo, who created this comic called Black, where only black people have superpowers and like it's in New York and like it's, 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 and it's a wonderful comic. And I said to him, look, I want you on my team. 
because you know what reality is over diversity. And 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 he he said uh, he said now we're talking. We can probably do something. And he became a good friend. And 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 we developed we co-developed with two other people uh, a wonderful universe called H One Together. So it's it it's um, reality is very important. But at the same time, you also have not just to showcase the differences of people as an asset, but you also have to acknowledge that sometimes their own perception will be different. I remember seeing uh, a an, uh, an French comic album from an African creator, mm. and he was like <clears throat> portraying black people with black faces, and the guy is African, and I was like, we can't publish that in the U.S. because the critics are going to go crazy. Right. And but at, but at the same time, this is an African legit artist drawing the way he wants to draw. So you can't go and say you shouldn't draw like that. Yeah. So management was like, okay, we decided not to publish that book in the U.S. because it could hurt some people, and not not because we wanted to be politically correct, but just because. We wanted to acknowledge the fact that perception is different in different parts of the world. Yeah, and that's important too to acknowledge that. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so not everything is for everybody. Some, sometimes, I mean, comics are for everybody, but the approach and the, the language is has to be specific and local. Yeah. That's why when you're trying to publish uh, manga in the UK with UK creators, you have less success than if you're publishing manga from Japanese creators because yeah. they master their own language in a way that is more refined than people that are not. That doesn't mean that British creators cannot achieve the same level. That means that the perception of the public will be that they can't. Oh yeah, and I've, and I've faced that <laughs> faced that perception and it's, it's a faced that. Yeah. Because, yes, because you're a wannabe. It's like, I want to produce a movie in the United States, mm. but with French actors. Well, your movie to Americans will be seen as a ripoff of their own movies. Like, why would I see? Yeah, we're doing our movies that our own way, and it looks like a fake version of our movies. Exactly. So it's the thing that you understand is that the the um, the internationalized universal version of comics cannot exist because of local particularism, and it's like McDonald's. You have the same McDonald's everywhere, but in every country you have. Different because they understood that you can be global, but you have to be local. Okay, yeah, yeah. And in comics, it's exactly the same. Like Marvel has understood that the way that they decided to open a, an office in Shanghai and produce comics for the Chinese audience. It's Marvel comics, but it's for the Chinese audience. Mm -hmm, yeah. And these comics are now imported in the States because it doesn't cost them anything. But they're targeted at a specific audience. I get that. And but that's fair. That's not to say that you couldn't have uh, a story that is somewhat universal. Say, uh, I don't know why it's the first thing that comes to mind, but Lion King, for example, is you know a story that that can play to different audiences. You can still achieve that in, in some cases, I'd imagine. You're right. That's why movies are universal, and music is universal, and comics are universal too. Mm. But they can be universal. You have to acknowledge that some styles, yeah are speaking more to certain audiences than others. Yeah, and I think for me... And like, so I don't understand why. And, no, I, I get that. And I feel like the, the 
if I use the word diversity again, the whole idea, like when I see people get upset about that, I, I always think that just because a story is made doesn't necessarily mean you have to read it. I know it's forcing you to read it. And the, the whole idea of, you know, reality, like you say, representing reality is to get like different stories out, different perspectives. But yeah. again, like you said, not every story is for everyone. So, you know, having more diverse comics is not to say that we're going to take away the comics that you enjoy or whatever or, or force you to read this perspective, but it's allowing those, you know, different voices and, and stories to come out. And I always see it as a way, yes. like a necessary thing, because for me, if you have, if you don't have diversity in comics and you've got, say, the same people making the same stories, eventually that world is going to run dry because you're going to get to a point where we've heard well, all those stories before. Again, again, I go, we go back to perception. Yeah. Like, um, I, I had the pleasure of being invited for uh, several years to, to art schools and at SCAD, which is a, uh, sequential art, uh, school in, in Savannah in Georgia. Mm. And, uh, the first surprise that I had, the first year that I went was 2018 was that 95% of the students were female okay. or non-binary. And that was, and that was, that was a good surprise. That was like, oh, people say that there are no new creators. A, no, not true. And they say that there are no women in comics. Not true. Yeah. There are plenty. I come from a market in France where there are a lot of female creators. A lot. And they're published and they're very popular and they've been for a long time. That doesn't mean that there's no problem. There are some issues. Hmm. And we have to correct them. But the number of female editors on the French publishing market is far superior to male editors. Now, this is not what we have to change. What we have to change is the number of top executives, that, that make the number of top executives that are, that, that are diverse. Yeah. The, the people who make the, the people on the boards. Yeah. The people who make decisions, the people who are in charge, you know? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that, and that goes like it's even worse in the, in the, in the United States because you have a different, it's very different for book publishing and comic book publishing. Book publishing is like almost 100% female, except for the top positions. That's mm -hmm. what we have to change. And, and comic book publishing is, is like, I mean, it used to be very, very male, male dominated, but it, it's changing, uh, but it's not fast enough. And we yeah. have to make it change. Yeah. So, um, but at the same time, do we have to throw away people like me? No, we don't. We have to just find a way to accommodate everyone and find a, a system that brings quality and, and, and have a, a different way of sharing the spot. Yeah, no, I agree and, with that. And, and we would honor ourselves to do that. So um, that's another area that I really like. Um, and, and I'm working on it, uh, on a project that, that I can't talk about right now, but I... I Seriously, I'm I'm working on something like that, okay. um, where uh, where there are a couple of projects that I'm developing at the moment where my name will not even be on the or not even in the credits because it's not important. Mm. The important is that the project itself moves forward with the with the right creators yeah. on top with the with the with the names that will resonate with other people will be an example. Um, one of the other projects that I can talk about launched uh, in a few days. Uh, I'm, I'm, I decided to lend to lend my talent to uh, a, a person that I met on Instagram 
Her name is Tawana Lewis, and she is uh, she is a hip hop artist and a personal trainer. And she wanted to tell her story in a comic book. Cool. And and what and what she told me is like, I want other African American girls to be inspired by the comic that I will put out. Will you help me? And I said, Yes, let's do this together. But it's her thing. I'm just I'm just the pen. You know, I'm the tool. Mm. And I agree to be the tool. I'm happy to be the tool because it's her voice, her project, her story. And 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 you know, ego is a very ego is a very interesting thing. Um I, I used I used to have um a discussion about that. Like a lot of artists have hard time finding writers to to fulfill their vision. Right. Because writers can have a big ego. But I'm like, I would be the mercenary. I would be the person who would totally like step beside beside and behind an artist if said artist has such a, as a good and cohesive vision. Mm. And I would write for them. I would write under a fake name. I would write under my name. I would write under no name if, if it has, if, if that story needs to be told. Yeah. And it reach and it is out the public and that public is a the, if the story like resonates with people, it needs to exist. And you would make it yeah, the help project make it is king. Yeah. Yes. The project is king. The creators are king. Um it's it's extremely important not to have an ego in this industry because we are uh, our time our time here is limited. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> so, that's, that's true. No, I, I hear that. I feel yeah, I feel like we could talk like for ages about like different topics, but uh, I don't want to end before letting people know uh, what you are doing as part of uh, Comic Online. All right, so I was approached by Comic Online uh, because I'm not just a writer and an animal, and I I'm spending and with quarantine containment here in the U.S. Yeah, spent more and more time refining my craft as an artist. Mm. So I'm drawing, 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 and and like people will see in the coming month or year what I've been producing, and I've been producing a lot of art. Cool. So I'll be available as an artist, uh, taking commissions and 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 drawing for people and some joy. Uh, uh, and uh, the last, I, it's my third um, online con this year, and every time it was really great. Cool. So I'm, I'll be very happy. To draw for people and and please not just Spider Man War. I know <laughs> I can draw Spider I'm often asked to draw Spider Man War, but please give me a bigger Something challenge. Else. Yeah, yeah. I think you've done that. Anything yeah. else. <laughs> yes, I, I can draw. I mean, last con- last convention, online convention, I had a guy. I want you to draw Lobo and Dog, and I was like, oh damn, I've never I've never drawn Lobo, and so I went. Made research and came up with a logo that that he loved, and 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 the customer was really happy. Cool. So it's just like, can I make the customer happy by drawing something unusual? Yeah. Um. And um. Yeah. I had a vampirella. I had like there's many Catwoman. Like I I would draw anything. Okay. okay. Be be creative. Cool. Be creative. Give me a challenge. Be creative. I'll draw whatever you want. Okay, so that's the challenge that we're putting out to people then. Um, yes. Yeah, make it, make draw. it work. Please um, allow me to draw for you. Yeah. Uh, and then outside of uh, Comic Online, where else can people find you on social media? People could f- can find me under my name, at Fabrice Sapolsky, all, at- all forms of social media. Cool. Uh, 
course, through my website, www.fairsquarecomics.com. May I remind everybody that they can order right now my new graphic novel, Mid Wonder, that will be delivered uh, in the next few days. And if you're in the UK, it will be even quicker <laughs> because our fulfillment center is in. So if you want it, you can have it like next week. And it's already on sale on the uh, on the uh, on the website fairsquarecomics.com. I'm also making T-shirts. Have the old, the other uh, Spider-Man Noir, of course. I kept selling that intertwine everything. So okay. please visit fairsquarecomic.com. I also have this channel, and you can learn more about comics and what the, the inside thing. I'm preparing a video on the food chain. That's going to be interesting. Cool. I'll check that out. And. Yeah, no, it's been really good having you. Really uh, interesting discussion. And it'll be great to, uh, like, invite you back on when you've got, like, you know, the projects that you can talk about and you can discuss more and we can sort of have a conversation because um, sort of some of the work that I do is uh, with young people, uh, not always specifically in in comics, but certainly in terms of, like, uh, creative uh, arts, uh, writing, drawing. um, And, yeah, I think some of these discussions would be really good. Uh, for them to to hear as well, so no problem. Um, I love I love giving directions and like I, I'm often with uh, young people who want mm-hmm. wants to ask me question about how to break into how do how do you maintain your your status in comics, which is harder than mm. breaking to comics is hard, but like staying into comics is even harder. Yeah. So this is I mean you, you can't last if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a strategy, and that's what I've had for the past. 25 years strategies yeah okay well yeah no definitely we'll we'll keep in touch and uh sort of have more of these conversations after hearing those wonderful interviews nigel what key lessons did you learn from them Uh, So I got uh, a few different lessons from each person and because they all had different like talents and different areas of expertise um yeah I picked up a few things so from uh Enrique it was just interesting to hear exactly what a colorist does I mean it's I know because even though our manga isn't in color I, I kind of know what the process is but just hearing her like lay it out and um how she does it in particular because like she was saying she hires someone to do some of like the base colors in her work and then she kind of adds the the different layers to that so uh yeah it was interesting to get like an insight into that specific part uh, of the process and um for christian um just being a a comic writer uh like myself and just hearing about how he essentially set up his production company um kind of as a way to produce comics um which he he's done through kickstarter uh but in hearing hearing about his plans for you know potentially other forms of media um in future so it's kind of cool to hear someone like speak about a similar uh vision to what i'm working on um fabrice was the uh the longest interview and it was like packed full of information and he is again someone who's been working in the industry for a long time and he's been at all parts like uh like you said illustrator writer um editor he was the co-creator of the spider-man noir uh, series from marvel as well as um 
producing like creator own work. So he kind of, in a sense, done everything <laughs> and he had like so much information uh, to give. So I think one, uh, one part of the interview, we got into the differences between that sort of, I guess, big, uh, big brand versus indie and how to bridge that gap for people who might be wary of sort of, I guess, taking a risk on, um, on indie uh, creators and how important marketing is um, and things like that. So quite enjoyed that part of the, uh, of the discussion. I think he's someone we can have on, uh, on the show because <laughs> he had a lot more to say, <laughs> basically. Um, so there's a lot of like knowledge there. Um, so yeah, I mean, for anyone listening, you can uh, let us know what you think of the interviews. Um, feedback at myamada.com is our email address. Uh, you can even send us uh, your feedback on our new Discord community, which uh, the, the link to will be somewhere in the episode notes. Um, you can also catch Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, where you get your podcasts from and help us reach more people by leaving a review, a rating uh, and sharing with your friends and followers. Uh, so we are going to be doing more of these, hopefully, um, with uh, myself and uh, Tazzy. So as people know, we do interview episodes um, as part of the sort of normal story x story schedule uh, this was a new experience to adding video and i think uh, it's something that we want to do like interview more sort of creatives across different industries so yeah join our discord um, subscribe to our podcast and when we get more opportunities like this we will bring them to you in a variety uh, of ways uh, so yeah, until next time, stay tuned and stay safe, everyone. Mm -hmm.